faith still speaks, though long dead. So none of us need ever to come before your presence empty-handed, but through your mercy, Lord, through your grace, we ask that you will grant and impart into each one of us today the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of true sonship, the eyes to see as you see, the heart to love as you love, the mind to evaluate as you evaluate. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. I'm very grateful to the church and to our Father and the Lord for the privilege to stand here. I wasn't here on Sunday on account of ill health. I don't think I've missed church before uh, when I'm in town. And uh, I thank you so, so much for the prayers. Rest assured, God heard them. And uh, since I wasn't here, I didn't hear the sermon. If anything is repeated, it means God wants you to hear it a second time. Amen? Okay. Kid Green has these lyrics, and I want us to pay attention. Open your eyes to the world all around you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. This world is much more than the things that surround you. You must rise. Open your eyes. Sometimes we're too busy to share. Jesus wants us to Open your arms to the naked and shivering. Open your arms, open your arms. We need a little less taken, a whole lot more given. We're so safe and warm. We can open our arms and love a little bit stronger and pray. someone in his name we're loving him Jesus says when we touch someone in his name we're touching him and we need to show them the light we've got to pour out our lives our lives thank you very much horrible voice but I want you to understand something there we've read Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 9 and I want us to read verse 2 together please open your Bible let's read verse 2 together what is a burden what is a burden for souls are we there okay let's Read it. Go. That I have great heaviness 
and continual sorrow in my heart. That's a burden. That's a burden. Can we read it once more time? That I have and in my heart. Yeah, it's not I had when I was being called to ministry. It's not I had when I first gave my life to Christ. It's not I had when I had that dream. It is I have great sorrow. I have great sorrow. It's something that is going on. It's something that is non-stop. I don't know what it is that drives you that you have as your own burden. You know, the Bible says each one of us will bear his own burden. So, at the heart of every man, at the heart of every woman, at the heart of every achiever, there is a burden. I work with Smart Train and the director was studying me. I didn't realize it. So when we hit on the issue of souls being attracted to God by Smart Train, she said, oh, so that's your motivation. Because she's born again. What is it that pushes you? What is it that drives you for something? You know, for some of us, we had a quarrel with our mothers and our mothers made some pronouncements and we vowed we would prove her wrong. And every effort of our lives is geared towards proving her wrong. Let me say this on what I believe is a positive side. One day, my senior registrar, several years ago, several years ago, asked me, uh, said to me that we seem to be working too hard. We seem to be burning a fuel. And I said to him, but my wife says I like to sleep a lot. He said, is that why you are pushing us this hard? I said, oh. For some of us, what pushes us is that we want to prove our fathers wrong. My father is here. I wanted to prove him wrong with regard to what he said about academics and work. I failed. He's right. He was right. For some of us, what is at the core of our hearts is someone has said this relationship won't work, but you want to prove that person wrong. So, you keep doing it. How do you know that you have a burden for something? 
how do you know you have a burden for something? How do we know that a man has a burden for souls? In no particular order other than that this is how I started writing it. I'm, I'm not alluding importance to the order that I'm putting it. In John chapter 4, you see one sign of a burden. In verse 3 to 7, Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar. Near to the parcel of ground Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat on the well and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Amen. Jesus was weary. The Bible didn't use the word tired. The word weary goes beyond tiredness. There is a tiredness that reaches to your bones and you just need to sit down. Jesus sat down and asked for food. That gives you an idea of the kind of physical um, state he was in. But in that state... He sees a soul in need of salvation and he strikes a conversation with her so as to bring her to salvation. In Mark chapter 7 verse 24, Jesus went into a house outside of Israel. A Syrophoenician woman came there. The Bible says that when Jesus went there, he didn't want anybody to know it. I never used to understand that scripture until lately, when the exhaustion from work would make me switch off my phones. To give you an idea, uh, I didn't used to switch off my phone before. I used to tell my senior registrars, I don't want surprises. I don't want the good surprise. I don't want the bad surprise. Before you do something, let me know. But sometimes out of sheer exhaustion, I don't want anybody to know where I am. I switch off everything. I could now understand why Jesus sometimes would get into a place and not want anybody to know it. God have mercy on me. Yesterday morning, a woman who I'm treating the child called me. I had started to become terrified when I'll see that number. And I said to her, Madam, if you don't give me a chance. And my wife, thank God for her, corrected me and said, Say one, two, three, four, so as to help her. Amen. So Jesus didn't want anybody to know. Sometimes in ministry, Jesus didn't have time to eat. But when souls came, when the soul of that woman's daughter was at stake, hallelujah, Jesus performed. Now, I like to talk about my wife sometimes because I've learned a lot of lessons from her. She's a poultry farmer, full-time, as well as a full-time lab scientist. 
we had new birds, the old chicks, many years ago. We bought them, you know, you must prepare for them, put them where we should. There was a heavy downpour that night. So with the heavy downpour, she beckoned on me, let's go see what has happened to our day-old chicks. The day-old chicks were drenched in water. My wife said, oh yeah, we will clean up all of these day-old chicks one by one. <laughs> she has a burden. Oh yes, we did that. Do you know how I know whether my wife is tired? If she can't go to the poultry when she comes back, then she's tired. What is it that you do? Nazanubiso. And even when you are tired, you get up. You get up. That is one sure sign of a burden. Amen? Amen? For some, their motivation in Christian service is wealth. Is wealth. In Daily Guide today, we read Matthew chapter 20 from verse 1 to 16. The first set of people, they negotiated their pay. Amen? They negotiated their pay. And they said, we must give us a denarius. But if you have NIV or English Standard Version, the 11th hour people did not work based on any negotiation. The 11th hour people were asked, why aren't you working? He said, no man has hired us all day. And they were told, go also and walk. Full stop. They worked because they had been idle all day. They worked because they had one hour to prove that they were worth it. Oh boy. Until you have submitted to the kingdom service, you are an idle man. I don't care how busy the world says you are. I don't care how we can find you when we come to your house. And how many times when we call your phone, it is said busy. Unless and until you have submitted to the kingdom's service. As far as heaven is concerned, you are some of us we are willing to serve God we are willing to do his work we are willing to do the things of the kingdom provided God rewards us with material wealth largesse and things that are good 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 goodies Oh, the Lord will employ you. He employed them in Matthew chapter 20. He will employ you. He will send you out. And he will keep his word of promise. You will get the wealth. You will get the money. You will get the recognition. You will get the fame. But you are acting like a hired man. 
Jesus told us in John chapter 10 that there is someone that is hired to look after the sheep. He's looking after the sheep, but once a wolf comes, he runs away. Has that allowance and now for five thousand Uruguay Ebola? Bugandi Ebola Nebe the Ebola Napuba. Hello. That's the statement of a hired man. Not the man with a burden for the sick. So some of us behave like that. If there is no money, there will be crisis. There will be crisis in witness. For some of us, what motivates us is the limelight, the fame, the mention of the name. I go and check if my picture has come up and they have properly recognized what I have done. That's what motivates People have found out that money is a poor motivator. Recognition is a stronger motivator for certain people. For some, our burden is that we must be recognized as the whatever, whatever, whatever. Amen? So if you don't mention their name, there's trouble. Money, recognition, that's what makes somebody gather his energy. Do you remember Jacob? Jacob was ill, lying in bed, and he was being attended to. But when Joseph comes in with Manasseh and Ephraim, because that's the order of their birth, the Bible says that Jacob was told Joseph is here. And the scripture says what? He gathered up his strength and sat on his bed. Burden for Joseph and for the destiny of Ephraim and Manasseh. You recognize that this man was so old he couldn't continue the prophecy on his children to the end. At a point he had to pause before he finished it. What is it that makes you gather up your strength? That's what you have a burden for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, if you look at Galatians chapter 4, there's something there that Paul says, which I know many people in the faith movement will not want to agree with me. Galatians chapter 4 verse 13. Can anyone... Well, let me read it. You know it was because of an ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. 
forgive me. On Saturday morning, two Saturdays ago, when I woke up, I knew I wasn't feeling well. And I had to make a choice to stay and rest or to keep the promise we made to our children. Because for Corona, we had not seen them in school throughout this year. And we missed the last one. And so we took the decision. I knew it would cost me. And it did. Paul, because of an illness, had to stop in Galatia. But he went ahead and used that opportunity to preach. That's when we know that there is a burden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I don't know what kind of burden you have. I don't know what kind of thing that makes you lift yourself up when you are ill. I don't know what you want to do just to get something. You see, when a man has a burden, second mark that I want us to note, he's willing to give things up. He's willing to trade in things that he considers important. You know when a man is chasing a young girl, huh? smoking that he used to do, you know he can stop it temporarily. Oh yes, he can stop. He can come to church. He can say la 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 ba 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 so that he can join in the group of those that are said to be speaking in tongues just to get her. Eh? Aha. I want to tell us this. If you have a burden for a soul, you won't only give up pleasure, but you'll be willing to give up God-given rights. If I have a burden for souls, it's not just pleasure that I willingly give up, but some I didn't say privileges. I said rights. I didn't say government given. I said what? God given rights. Are we speaking heresy? In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Jesus, because of the burden for our souls, did not look at Godhead, something to be grasped but made himself of no reputation. Was found in the likeness of man. Hallelujah. Look at Paul, the apostle. When he came to Philippi, he came knowing very well that he is a Roman citizen. And not just did he know that he's a Roman citizen, Paul was a trained lawyer. 
And to know, and for you to know that he knows how to use his rights, he had spoken, he spoke about it further down the line when he came to Jerusalem. Now, the magistrates beat them, or had them beaten, and sent to the jail. Paul, rather at midnight, was singing. And when the jailer, who had thrown them into the innermost prison, and held their feet fast with stalks, came and saw that the earthquake had loosened every prisoner and wanted to kill himself. Paul didn't say, good for you. Next time when a man of God comes here, you will know that he is anointed. Let him lie! Paul said, no, 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 no. Do yourself no harm. We are all here. How else would the jailer and his family have been reached if Paul had insisted on his rights? Burden. Let's bring it nearer home. You remember the prostitutes in 1 Kings chapter 3? Eh? The prostitutes that came with uh, the matter of the child, the son. Eh? Aha. And there was the dispute. And Solomon saw that the women were shouting and making a din, and he said, Okay, bring me a sword. Cut him into two. Half take. The other half take. In verse 26, the scripture says, Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her the living child. By no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Do you know what she was doing? She was publicly, before the court of the king, which was the final court, renouncing her God-given rights so as to save her son's life. She had gone for disputes. She had reasoned with the woman. So she wanted to have custody. And though she was a prostitute, she still came to the final court. Oh, how many times we have said, let them die. She gave up her God-given rights as a mother. Which is the most difficult thing, I believe, to do. Because she said, no, my son cannot die. Take him. You win. Let him go. Anyone that has a burden will be willing to give up such rights. You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I'm not writing this thing to you so that you can begin to do it for me. No, I'd rather die than have anybody 
remove my grounds of boasting. Paul had the God-given right of being taken care of by the Corinthian church, but he refused it so that he would not abuse his rights in the gospel. Let me see, eh? this Christianity that we practice, that we negotiate with God, God, I'll go for weekend evangelism, and God, you will uh, give me this contract. God, I will do this. I will give to CMF. God, and you will bless this business. Please stop it. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Please stop it. Please stop it. Please stop it. Please stop it. You know what it means? It means, God, your interest is evangelism. My interest is the the business. So let me help you do what you want. So that you can help me do what I want. Please stop it. Some souls are not saved. You know, because of the way we behave. A man was asking God about soul winning. Why revival hadn't broken out. And God said, you are not ready to take the kind of suffering that that revival will need. Amen? I know a brother here who was willing not to be paid just for his work to be done. I once had a dialogue with the Father, God. God forgive me. He had given me some money which in my own eyes was plenty. And I had sown it into the service of the kingdom. So occasionally I would say, God, that money now, can you figure I put that from it? One day, because God loves me, he said these words to me. I'm not putting it very well. But he said, sons borrow money to complete their father's projects. Servants collect pay from their masters to go and do things that are strange to the master. I say, Father, please forgive me. I'm sorry. Take me as your son. But isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what motivates me? What motivates us? God wants us to be sons. Hallelujah. In Matthew 20 verse 7, there was no mention of money. No mention of what they would get. They just wanted to do what God wanted. Hallelujah. You see, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19, which is another mark of a burden, you see what Paul says there. He says, Even though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might gain them all. Do you know why we're still arguing about what dressing we should be wearing and what dressing we should not be wearing? Because when you have caught a burden, you will not be looking at am I supposed to wear this dress or am I not supposed to wear this dress? You'll be looking at what will I do so that I can get the ear of this person. What will I do so that my gospel will be heard by this community? Paul said to the Jew, I became as a Jew. To those without law, I became as without the law, yet not lawless towards God. To those who were under the law, I became as one under the law, that I might save some. He knew he couldn't save everyone. But just that extra. Just that extra. Do you have a burden? Are we still arguing with you? Or have you voluntarily made yourself a slave just so that some more? Oh, the way I am, people are getting saved. The way I am, people are getting ministered to. I, in my heart, I, I, I cried. When a minister of music I respect so much stated that she refused to minister in certain place because they wanted her to tie scarf and wear something. I said, ah, ah. about scarves and things like matters like that I'm here to ask us a question do you have a burden for souls or do you have a burden for business do you have a burden for souls or do you have a burden for things of this world can you look your neighbor in the eye and say what burden do you have and you say, what burden do you have? Do you know that in Titus chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, the scripture encourages slaves to obey their, uh, to obey their masters in everything. Now, some people have asked, does Christianity support slavery? The answer is no. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, the scripture says, You were bought with a price. Do not be the slaves of human beings. 
And if you read the story of Onesimus, you will understand that Paul, by the Spirit, also opposes slavery. But the scripture in that Titus chapter 2 verse 9 and 10, I just want us to read it so that you will understand the import of where we are going. This is offensive to many of us, but I dare say it is offensive because we have not got that burden. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering back, not stealing, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Why didn't Paul say, slavery is hateful against God? Rise up, you that are born again. Move out of your slave master's house. And if they dare come after you, the God of Moses will strike them. But God says, no. I want to win even those evil slave masters. So obey them. Hallelujah. Are you doing business with God? Or do you have a burden for souls? Are you a son? Or are you hired by God to do his work? Paul said of Timothy, you know I don't have anybody like him. As a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. Others, speaking about Christian workers, are minded about their own business. But he will naturally care for your state. I have deep sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I'm about to round up, but I want to share a few stories. Now, this missionary, I'll give a different name for him. Maybe some of my family will know, but because I'm going to say some things about him, I will protect his identity. Let's call him Sydney. Sydney is my age. He's married with children like me. In fact, of his children in the same category, university, ordained in the Anglican communion. But at a point he said, the burden for souls I have is not being fulfilled in this place. And he quietly moved out to begin to go into the communities to minister the word of God. The burden was upon him. And Sydney was diagnosed with diabetes. Sometimes his blood sugar would be racking high. And as a health worker, I would get that information. Two or three years ago, his kidneys came down. And money to look after him was difficult. And there were all kinds of discussions. 
Last year, Sidney told me that God has called him to Gambia. I didn't say a word. But he went. And sometime this year, he, we were in conversation. And he was having health challenges. And he had the, I said, have you communicated with the doctors there? He said, no. He didn't have the money. I wept inside. I said, how could you? He's alive. His wife greeted me on Father's Day. He also did. When touched. God helped him in that health situation. Amen? He's going on. Some of us know of Dr. Chinedo Oranye. I can say this because he has said this publicly. Of noble birth. Fathers. Good, good parentage. Called of God into mission. But an asthmatic. In the depths of the mountains and the hills, sometimes asthmatic attack will come. Brobro learned to give himself IV aminophilin. But he never left to tell you, you can die because you didn't get aminophilin fast enough. I know the day I left my house around 2 a.m. looking for aminophilin. Looking for it everywhere I could. But knowing his health condition, he went. Oh, he's alive today. <laughs> Married. Serving. But you know, I have been asked by a mother to write a letter for NYSC for, a, for her daughter who I had treated for a hand condition that was very, very stable so that she can remain in Enugu. I said, ah, ah. burden. What is it that we are willing to give up? What's our excuse? Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says there is no other name under heaven given amongst men that we might be saved. The Muslim will never get to heaven unless he gets born again. The Hindu will never get to heaven unless he gets born again. Being born again is not the root for Christians. And there is another root for unbelievers. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is eternally true for all men, for all ages. 
you believe this? Are you genuinely convinced that that is true? Because if you are, the way you behave will change. Do you understand that angels don't preach the gospel? God did not commission any angel to preach. When the apostles were in jail, angels came and brought them out and said, go and proclaim to them all the words of this life. Angels don't have mandate to preach the gospel. They can't preach. So stop praying for angels to go and preach to anywhere. God's not going to answer that prayer. The Bible says, in the wisdom of God, it pleased him that through wisdom men would not find him, but that through the foolishness of what we preach, that people will be saved. How can they believe on him of whom they have not heard? How can they hear of him if there is no preacher? Do we genuinely believe this? As a health worker, when I see someone with certain conditions, I may cry because I know what's going to happen next. They may be saying, no, it's alright, it's alright. I say, look, in the next 72 hours, this patient will die. But the patient is talking, smiling. Know, and because of that knowledge, I get up. Praise the Lord. Do you genuinely know that if your neighbor doesn't give his life to Christ, he will spend an eternity forever damned? Do you really, really know? And believe it. Or do you somewhere in the recess of your mind think that after several millennia, God will give them a release and amnesty? Or that some way, somehow, they will get to eternity? And we will all be surprised that everybody is in heaven. It's not going to happen. Hallelujah. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? In Lamentations 1.12, the scripture says, Is it nothing to you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted upon me in his fierce anger. The fifth sign of a burden is the inability to sit and rationalize. Matthew eighteen twelve. What do you think? If a man has hundred sheep and one has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety nine in the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he knows he might not find it, and if he finds it. Truly, I say, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine 
that never went astray. Hallelujah. You know, theologians continue to argue whether Paul disobeyed the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Theologians argue about that. But you know, Paul said, I go to Jerusalem bound in the Spirit, not knowing what will befall me, only that the Spirit witnesses in every city that bonds and afflictions await me. But I count my life not dear to myself. None of these things move me, but that I might finish my course to proclaim the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those with a burden, they know that there is danger, but the price is souls to be saved. And so they go forth. Hallelujah. They know there is suffering. But they know that souls will come out of it. I say to us, brethren, if you are witnessing to get God prosper your business, I say to you that you have a passion for business, not a passion for souls. Not a passion for souls. Because in First Corinthians chapter 7, we see what we need to do and we need to change. Let me say this because I must round up. If we remove money, if we remove gain, will you still be preaching the gospel? As we close, how do we develop a burden? How? Can you say to your neighbor, how can we develop a burden? Well, that's also the sixth sign, which is the first. It comes as you pray. It comes as you pray. In Romans chapter 10, you see the object of prayer because we pray quite a lot. Brethren, verse 1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The people that had done all kinds of things to Paul, the people that opposed him from city to city, the people that organized in Berea, I mean, that organized in some cities for him to be stoned, not in Berea. His desire, his prayer, is that they may be saved. So, if you want to develop a burden, then you must be praying for the souls. Pray every day. Amen? Pray every day as individuals. Pray every day as a family. Pray every day corporately. 
There is something that is written in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. And it's a doing of the Lord. There the scripture says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Ask God, give me a burden. Ask God, give me the heart of a son. You know, the Bible says that the earnest of the creation awaits the manifestations of the sons of God. It's not sons that will be commanding fire up and down. It is sons that have the burden of their father and the life of the pattern son Jesus. That's what creation is waiting for. Hallelujah. I know of a Christian called to the Middle East. Let me not mention the country. Unable to have access because you can't go there as a missionary. Then he saw an advert. This is a well-lettered, well-read person. That that country needed house helps. And he volunteered himself as a house help in that country. And that was how he had access to minister the gospel to those places. Praise the Lord. Prayer. Let me give us two things that will help as we close. Can you show us the world prayer map? You may not have this yourself, but you can get something like that. It's hanging on the door of my office. So anytime I close my office door, I see it. And when I'm about to leave my office, so many times the Spirit of God will remind me, pray. If I have not prayed for some time, nobody needs to tell me that my Christian life is not doing very well. It, it lists, it groups countries of the world in fives and sixes to 31, so that using it faithfully, you are praying for every country of the world around. The next, for us who are internet savvy, is an app. Uh, Joshua, Joshua Project has an app which is unreached for the day. Download it to your cell phone. When you download it, each time you have some group of people to pray for each day. Capro also has a prayer app. It's on my phone. If I touch it, it gives me prayer point for the day. These are the reasons God made internet and stuff like that. Let's use it as the Lord wants us to. CMF have prayer bulletins. And in those bulletins, they have groupings of people, ethnic groupings that you can pray for. So when you have your morning or your night devotion, even if it is 10 seconds, 1 minute, 5 minutes, deliberately, regularly, 
Call on God to pray. Call on God to touch the lives of people so that they will come to the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Let's do this a little slower. The key was a bit too high for me. To the ones who are desperate, open your hearts, open your hearts. They may never repay you, but their souls are worth it. The life you impart when you open your heart. Jesus loves all men the same, so we've got to go out in His name, His name. Jesus says, when we touch someone in his name, we're touching him. Jesus says, when we love someone in his name, we're loving him. Jesus says, when we feed someone in his name, we're feeding him. And Jesus says, when we reach someone, he feels, he says, it's all for him. It's all for him. Open your eyes to the world all around you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. This world is much more than the things that surround you. You must arise. Open your eyes. Jesus loves all men the same. So we've got to go out in His name. Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says it's Him. Jesus says, when we love someone in His name, we're loving Him. We're loving Him. Stand up, let us pray. Perhaps the burden is for your own soul. Because you realize that you can't identify with this. You like church. But you can't identify with this matter of giving up your God-given rights for criminals. You can't identify with this. Then you need a new heart. Recognize that you have not asked Christ to come into your heart as your Lord and as your Savior. You like church. You give to church. But this is not your heart. Can you ask God to do something in you? Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Brethren, something must give. This practice that we have been doing has to give way. Talk to the Lord. Because the Lord's end time move 
is not in the midst of bread and butter. It's an advance in the midst of suffering. It is light shining in the midst of darkness. This mindset has to change. If it doesn't, then we don't have a burden for souls. Please talk to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. And so our Father and our God, we give you thanks. Because you have made clear why we need to have burden for souls. Thank you because you have given us this ministry of reconciliation. Lord, thank you because this morning you have also reminded us of the urgency of this ministry. Lord, this morning we pray that you will help us. For those of us who have been ashamed and wondering what to say when we go out, Lord, we pray that as we open our mouths, you will fill us up and tell us exactly what we need to say in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you have heard us. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, be safe.